0: Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike. I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world people who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey there, everyone. It's Mike here from Adaptify. I'm doing a joint uh, Zoom. And an Instagram Live, I've got Jem uh, Hubbard, aka Wheels No Heels. She's from the UK, and she is a dynamo from what I see, an amazing content creator, um, a disability advocate, and so a real shining light from what I can tell um, for the disability community out there. Um, and I'm excited to have Jem on the show. So welcome, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining in. Uh, I've been a little quiet lately on, on social media Um there's been a lot going on, bit of, bit of stuff in my personal life which I've been dealing with but uh, also lap stackers are in production and underway and we'll have them in stock by the end of this month so that's been consuming a lot of time uh, and energy and um, that's really exciting for those who backed us on Kickstarter 18 months ago and had the faith to um, pre-order since then. Uh, thanks so much for your support. Anyway, um, without further ado, uh, let's chat to Jim and um, hear Jim's story. Jim, thanks for joining me today on the Adaptified podcast. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've actually I've seen you've been doing podcasts for such a long time and I was like, Whoa! so I'm really excited to chat to you because <laughs> I've been I following need- you since you started.
0: Oh, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, as you know, social media has opened up this world, this community. And when I, you know, when I broke my back, um, it really was only just beginning. And as I mean, you'll know, it was, wasn't really social media when you had your injury. Um, And I remember seeing a headline actually, as I I did a bit of research um, and a bit of reading about you online. And one of the articles was saying that uh, social media saved your life um in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. so i'm really really keen to hear your thoughts on that and um yeah just discover um your journey 25 odd years right as a as a wheelchair user is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: Um, yeah hardcore
0: (laughs) yeah old old (laughs) old school old school um so yeah awesome well um look tell us a little bit about your your childhood and um like who are you what uh what what are you what excites you? What what sort of things are you into?
1: Okay, so, um, well, from a child, my main passion um, is horse riding. Absolutely so passionate about horse riding. I had hundreds of my little ponies. Everything was horse, horse, horse. Um, I started riding really young, maybe around about the age of four. And it was just, I don't want to sort of like sound big headed or anything but you know when you have sort of like a gift and it just comes so naturally to you and that's what it was like as soon as I was on the horse I was away um and I rode every single Saturday um and did own a pony days and begged my parents for a horse every birthday every Christmas (laughs) and (laughs) um that was my life um and then um, at the age of nine, um, I had to have heart surgery to um, repair a coarctation of my aorta. A coarctation is when it's really, really thin. So my aorta was like tissue paper. Um, and uh, so they had to sort of cut out the narrowing and then stick the aorta back together again. And... Um, and I had the surgery, and then as I was coming around from the anaesthetic, I um, choked and panicked on the intubated breathing tube, Um, and that caused my aorta to rupture there and then on ICU. So there wasn't any time to take me down to theatre. I was just um, opened up there and then, and they managed to restart my heart. Um, I suffered major internal bleeding. Um, I was without oxygen for almost coming up to 10 minutes. Um, and uh, I was put into an induced coma for a couple of weeks. Um, and over time they sort of did all the you know the brain activity tests to see if I was alive and I was, but they didn't know to what extent or what damage was done. Um, but slowly, day by day, I started to come round and you know give little signs. And um, when I first came round, um, and that's sort of like the first week in ICU, um, I couldn't see, um, I couldn't move, um, uh, but uh, things started to regain. um, And I did start to sort of get stronger in my upper body. um, And then I had a lot of rehab um, and physio. Um, but at the time between sort of nine and 12, no one knew why I couldn't walk. No one knew what was going on. Um, and I had lots of MRI scans and things like that. And then they referred me to the spinal cord unit in Salisbury, which some of you may recognize that name Salisbury because it's where we had the Salisbury poisoning. (laughs) don't know if you remember that or heard about that, um, doesn't sound good it doesn't sound good to do with me um and uh that's when i was diagnosed with a t10 incomplete spinal cord injury but um i still carried on horse riding and i think i was back in the saddle um maybe less than a year after the surgery um very very tentatively and things like that. And then um, my parents took me to a riding for the disabled, Mm. um, which I was very apprehensive about because I wasn't disabled. (laughs) It was something I was like, no way, this is not for me. Mm. Um, You know, I was a child. um, It was really tough, but I loved it. I loved horse riding. I kind of blocked out the whole disability aspect of the riding for the disabled. And I just felt so free and you know, me, and it really, really helped me mentally and physically through that time.
0: So, oh, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what your parents were going through and also what you were going through as a, as a young girl. Um, what sort of lasting effects from T, T10 Incomplete had, enabled you to ride a horse again? And what, what sort of um, assistance did you require
1: Uh, so I'm really stubborn (laughs) and if you tell me I can't do it, then that's, I will do it. (laughs) Um, and, um, they had these amazing mounting blocks to get on the horse. It was a ramp all the way up. And then, um, you were sort of on a platform that was in level with the horse's back. And then Mm. I was able to crawl onto the horse's back Dick my legs in stirrups. Um, I'm quite lucky. My core is not too bad, um, and for me, it was like riding a bike, and I was I was away. Yeah.
0: Mm. I, I went horse riding in Mexico a few years ago, a number of years ago now, and not as a paraplegic, um, but with my oh. my mother and father, they were visiting, and um, <laughs> my mum had never ridden a horse, and she didn't know how to. She didn't oh, know how I- to. How to like use your legs to, to and and she was just going boom 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 boom, you know as a as a paraplegic that you know um, doesn't have great leg function. Let's say, um, how do you how did you adjust to that riding?
1: I don't know. I I I truly believe that with horse riding, it's all in the core. And as I said, my core is not that bad. It's it's weaker mm. than the average person, but I'm quite lucky. I do have some core stability and um if you're using your core and you're sitting really strong and you're sitting really heavy on the horse if that makes any sense to anyone out there you're kind of like you know how you can sit on something but then you can really sit on something so you're like really heavy on it and like you're kind of in control I think if you're a horse rider you will understand what I'm saying (laughs) Um, and that's how I felt like yeah managed to do it and like, I can move my, my sort of hips a bit as well, and you kind of move with the horse. Like, the best way to describe it is: um, Have you ever been on a swing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you yeah. Know when you're swinging and you've yeah. got that swinging momentum as it's coming, as you're mm. that's how you move with the horse.
0: You, you're sort of transferring your energy right back and forth. It's kind of yeah, I get
1: yeah. it. I, yeah. yeah, you're flowing through, and you, you make sure that you're like sitting really strong and confidently and heavily on the horse. And I can definitely notice the difference from the start of the ride to the end of the ride. At the end of the ride, I'm like, I feel really in control and part of, at one with mm. the horse. <laughs> Whereas when you first sit on, you're a bit like,
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, I've often um, thought about a horse as a as a great way to explore the countryside as a as a paraplegic.
1: Oh, it's amazing! Yeah.
0: Do you still ride today?
1: Yes. Yeah, I've got some photos on my Instagram quite a while ago. Um, But I do have the odd ride here and there. I find now as I've got older, I'm not as strong as I used to be. And as I I said, you know, you do need a lot of core. And I can feel like my core's gone and I'm just like, I can't do this. And I sort of kind of lean forward and I just can't hold myself up. There's just not the strength there anymore. Um, Sometimes you can sort of hold on to the the front of the saddle to kind of help you as well, which is another technique that I've used when cantering. Um, And you can hold on to the horse's mane as well. Um, But yeah, I don't ride as much as I'd like to. And also, Mike, it's so expensive. So expensive
0: yeah totally so I mean I take it you don't don't own your own horse at the moment and so but even just hiring a horse or if that's the right word do <laughs> you hire a horse um, yeah it's it's not a it's not an inexpensive sport right
1: yeah yeah I think uh, the last one I did was the last ride I had was um, the September last year so that goes to show how long Mm. But we've had this old corona business, but yeah. Um, but what was really lovely was for our wedding anniversary, Sean and I, we um, went on a two-hour um, hack around um, the Sussex Downs where we live, which was beautiful. But the two hours was way too long for me.
0: It sounds a bit <laughs> like when I go wave skiing on my surf, surfboard or even uh, skiing in the snow on my sit-ski you know after several hours my core's like jelly and all of a sudden I that's might. when i start falling off and having big crashes and i'm like all right yeah. that's that's the end of it <laughs> day mm-hmm, over yeah.
1: patient yep. like that yeah <laughs> so
0: i know i know the feeling hey look let's cut back to uh obviously you've had this uh it's really a a, a freak event you know but <laughs> yeah. but 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 an unexpected event right um and you, you came through, and you. Sounds like you're incredibly lucky to be alive. Quite frankly,
1: mm.
0: mm-hmm. um, what were what were some of the struggles that you had um, just immediately after that time? What were some of the things that you struggled with psychologically um, or physically, and, and how did you how did you find yourself navigating through those times?
1: So, at the very beginning of the of sort of when I came home. Um, physically um I would not use a wheelchair mm. point. unless we were going out I would not use a wheelchair so I just crawled around the house everywhere um and I think I don't think I managed the stairs but this is a long time ago <laughs> I'm just trying to remember it all I think my dad carried me up the stairs um but yeah no I wouldn't use a wheelchair um
0: was a wheelchair looked upon as kind of a bad thing? It was.
1: It was for me I, I don't know about my parents like such a long time ago but I think they had quite sort of um, ideas that they didn't want I, they didn't stop me from using a wheelchair but obviously they, they from the moment I had my injury um, they believed that I would walk again they Without going into too much detail, had some sort of epiphany from the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, they believed I would walk again. That mm. it's not my thing, I'm not into that. It's fine if anyone else does, but that I think because of that, it's made me like be really not into um, that.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> but, get you, yeah, totally. Um,
1: that was really hard. Um, and, um, but mentally, um, I suffered a lot of trauma. Um, I think the mental, um, aspect of it was harder. Um, cause I was, you know, I was in a coma. I can sort of remember being in a coma. I can remember coma dreams, um, hallucinating. I would hear, uh, when I came home, I could hear voices. I mm. couldn't sleep, um, night terrors. Um, and that was really hard. Um, I was not at school. Um, and I was just having physio every day. <laughs> and I remember I would used to, I used to go and hide from the physio. <laughs> physio is <to> my aunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You sound like a real, uh, you sound like a real rebel, bit of a handful actually. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, so, so yeah, that trauma, of course, uh, I, I imagine, um, I imagine you just you must carry that through today. You know there must be some things that trigger you. Is is there are there moments that bring back that trauma?
1: Um I'm pretty lucky that now I do feel quite at peace with it. Um, sometimes things will hit me. If I see photos of myself when I was before my injury, I can't look at that. My my parents have got film and video of us when we were little my sister and I and before my injury and I can't look at that. Um And um, if I hear any new information about like what happened on that day or the day before, because that's completely blacked out for me, I can only, I can only remember up to the 30th of July. And then I had my surgery on the 1st of August. Um, So that's all blacked out. But if I hear any new information, it really hits me and takes me time it it like can be really stupid things tiny tiny things that can be quite hard um and sometimes i'll have the odd dream and i'll wake up and i can still feel the cannula in my hand and um, i'm like almost paralyzed like from the the whole body when i wake up and i think oh my god and I, i feel like i am attached to lots of tubes and things that really doesn't happen that often, but I do. That happens. And watching medical things on television um, mm. is quite hard. And seeing people in masks <laughs> is not the nicest, which mm. is not very easy in this day and at this sort of current time. Um, and also hearing reports of people who've had to be intubated and in comas um, because of coronavirus has really scared me. Mm. And that. More, I think I oh, was I don't want to go there again because I know what to like. Most people don't know what to expect, but I don't know about you, Mike. But I, you know,
0: uh, any any tubes down your throat or through your neck or anything like that just just very scary, very very frightening. um yep. And yeah, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I yeah, I can totally understand how that those memories might uh, might still trouble you for sure when i was a kid i was electrocuted i um i stuck my finger in, a, in an old lamp at my grandparents house and got a really really nasty electric shock and probably lucky to survive actually but from those um basically from that point on i had these terrible night dreams about what i called the electric shock man who lived under my bed and he would, as soon as the lights went out, he'd come and grab me and pull me under the bed. It was just horrible nightmares for two or three years. Sometimes I'd even wake up under my bed. You know, it was, it was as if, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was incredibly frightening. Um, so, so I kind of understand that childhood trauma. Um, the ironic thing is that I trained as an electrician and I had many electric shocks after that, <laughs> you know, during my apprenticeship. Uh, but, um, but anyway. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, Jim, uh, you know, through your teenage years, um, mm-hmm. when you're trying to find your way uh, and you're, you know, there's, there's a lot of social pressure, there's a lot of um, wanting to fit in, not be different, um, how did you navigate that? What, if any, um, advice would you give uh, to somebody else at, at that age? Um, who may be listening, um, on how to navigate that time?
1: Oh, well, I think um, because I was sort of so anti-disability, so anti-accepting, so was always told that I would walk again and, you know, you're not disabled, it's a bad word. Mm. Um, Really, really didn't help. And I think acceptance, no, I know it, it can be hard, but coming to some sort of acceptance and some sort of peace can really help. Because if you don't know who you are, then how can people like relate to you and come, you know, if you're not confident in yourself, it's quite hard to make relationships and things like that. And um, so I think acceptance can really help. I would definitely suggest doing some sort of sport or something, if you're not sporty, some sort of like creative outlet or something that you can do. So I found a lot of um, comfort in taking up piano and clarinet. That was a huge Mm. focus for me. And then obviously I have my horse riding as well. Um, That really, really helped. Um, uh, But now... We have social media, we have YouTube channels, we have so many people that we can turn to and and look at who are like us, who have gone through what that person might be going through. No matter what your injury, no matter what um, disease or um, chronic illness you're suffering with, there is some sort of support group out there which is just amazing. There was nothing like that. Was that uh, the only disabled person in, my town it felt like I knew Mm. nobody and because everyone back then had such a negative view of disability and because I was told I was walk again I'm not disabled um really it didn't help Mm. and um yeah it was I struggled so much to be to the point where I thought like of ending my life a couple of times it was really hard.
0: Mm, man, that's yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty hard place to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I take away from that is that if you're kind of hiding from who you really are and, and you're kind of almost ashamed at being who you are, that puts added pressure on a situation that's already really tough, right? Um, yeah. So and something else that stood out before, you're saying you know, do something that you find something you can do um and you know by being yourself you are actually you're giving people an opportunity to find out who you really are and then you're going to attract the right people right
1: you're okay. going to actually oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: if you if you're not you know if you're trying to be somebody you're not then the wrong people are going to come into your life you know uh, it, <laughs> it's it's easier said than done right like um you know especially when uh, you know disability being disabled may have a stigma attached to it and um, you'd rather not identify with that and you just want to you know you just want to walk or just not have a disability um, so you know I, I guess reaching out to people in this community certainly will help um, any anything else? What 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 was a turning point for you? How how did you how did you get through that time when you were thinking about ending your life? Like what what yeah? How did that all play out?
1: Well, it was really tough, and um, I changed schools a couple of times, which was awful um, because I thought it would be better if I left. Mm. Um, and then, um, so is that because you
0: just felt like you wanted to run away from? where you were, you wanted to start fresh, you, you know, but yeah. I guess it just followed you, right? The same same thing or made it harder?
1: In actual fact, it was worse. It was worse. Um, and I was actually put down a year at school, which really didn't help either because I'm, the way our academic years work in our school, um, the sort of winter babies are the eldest, oldest of the class and mm-hmm. I'm a winter so I'm November so I was one of the oldest in the class and yeah it's a year but if you looked at it technically I was almost two years older than some of them and everything that I had gone through as well had really um, made me grow up Um, so that was really hard and then I changed schools and I was only there for nine months and I was like that was the last So that was, I was in the second to last year of school, but because I was down a year, I was technically at leaving school age. So I said, this is enough, (laughs) I can't do this. So what I did was I actually did my GCSEs, which are like our HSC, um, at college. So I was with people who were like 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. So I did my final exams there at college, where some people did if they hadn't passed originally. That, like, was the turning point for me. I, it was amazing. Like, these people, they were, like, grown up. <laughs> um, you could go out. You could party. We had a sense of freedom, and um, the teachers respected us. Um, and another massive turning point for me was learning to drive. Mm. huge amount of freedom. Um, and like, I was the cool one with a car, (laughs) not many other people had cars. Um, and I met all these people. i I kind of fell in with this, like the emo sort of gothy sort of skatery kind of gang at school, Mm. like miss me. Um, but they really like, they didn't care and they accepted me for who I was. And we just had like the best time, like it was pretty rock and roll. It was awesome. And that was (laughs) me. That really was. And then I also got a little part-time job and that was great um, because then I was mixing with adults. I've always got on better with um, adults because I think when I suffered that trauma, Mm -hmm. that's all I thought. And I had to sort of like advocate for myself and talk to adults. I've always been, that's my jam. And um, so I was working, I was making friends who were all different ages and yeah, it was great. Really, really great.
0: Uh, Awesome. I I remember my uh, final year at high school, so yeah, 18. And there was definitely a shift there. You know, the teachers certainly treated you differently. We, you know, we were a bit more grown up. uh, And there was just this building excitement of what was going to happen when you left school. You know, what was the world really like? Um, And, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you, you got a job and... A car and going to parties and meeting new people, and all of a sudden you realise that school and all of those superficialities that that can come with um, your peer groups at school actually don't matter when you when you leave, <laughs> and uh, and you can find your tribe, you can find your crew, can't you? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It felt so. I felt so trapped, and I just thought that it. It was, I was so so um, depressed at school, and it was such a bad dark time.
0: And what were some of the hurdles that you faced? Were there accessibility hurdles? Were there um, attitudinal hurdles from from teachers? Uh, like, what were some of the hurdles that you found that you felt compelled to um, try and change?
1: So yeah, school it wasn't the greatest accessibility wise. Um I had a gym teacher who really had it in for me, who would bully me, and I've often thought, hmm, if I saw her now, what would I say? Like I've got my thing prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Yep. Um I was just trying to think. Oh, oh yes. This this one really annoyed me. Um so I had just joined the, the last school that I was at, and I've always been quite good and competent at public speaking and, and enjoyed it. And I went and I decided that I was going to do a speech. Bear in mind, I didn't know anybody. And I went from, I had a very different accent to everybody as well. And people made fun of me and I was disabled so it stood out like a sore thumb and I find footwear quite challenging um, and I wear trainers a lot now I wear boots most of the time um, but at school I was allowed to wear trainers and we as, a, as opposed to
0: like your sort of leather you know yeah. school school yeah. shoes yeah gotcha and yeah. why do you find them challenging I'm just I'm curious um,
1: uh, because my on my my right side was affected the worst, and mm. my right foot um, is paralysed. But the arch is pulled up very very high, and mm. my tibia is twisted. So my foot is kind of stuck out, and it also can't bend down. It can bend up. But it can't bend mm. down because of atrophy. I think that's the word, isn't it? At-
0: atrophy, muscle atrophy.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Anyway. (laughs) Um, I
0: get get it.
1: (laughs) I I find it hard to um, put my foot into shoes. And Mm. also, they need to be comfortable as well. Um, And leather shoes aren't comfortable. And I've got very um, poor circulation. And England is cold and wet every day. So (laughs) trainers is the way to go. So I was wearing my trainers. And decided to do a speech and I went to go up in front of the whole um, school and do a speech I can't remember what it was about and I could hear people laughing at me in the crowd it was mortifying as I was speaking and also as I went up the teacher said to me um, we're actually going to have to deduct two points for you from you I was like why? because you're wearing trainers I like, but I have a medical reason uh-huh. and- you know, pulled by the head. Well,
0: what's that got to do with speaking?
1: I, I, this is the two points.
0: Of, of, two points off presentation wise, perhaps. Ah,
1: yeah, it was really, really mortifying, and there's nothing I can do. I mean, it was a really long time ago, and that that sticks in my mind. But as to what happened, I lost. <laughs> but that's all I can remember. <laughs> but, was horrible it was really an awful moment
0: oh man so so now
1: uh, this is why I I won't stand for it
0: (laughs) so tell us about that what when did you start um when did you start sharing your views online and um yeah sharing your story was there a defining moment (laughs) when that began
1: there's a long answer and a short answer.
0: Give us the long answer. I'm listening.
1: Awesome. Okay. So um, when I was nine, 10 and I just had my injury and everything, um, I'd be watching like my favorite shows like Blue Peter. I don't know if you've heard of Blue Peter. I've heard of
0: Blue Peter, um, Peter yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, and top of the pops. And I was like, um, I'm going to be a television presenter. That's what I want to do. That is that. That's my goal in life. I want to be a television presenter. I'm going to be the first stable television presenter. That was what I was going to do because there was no one like me that I could look at in the media and identify mm-hmm. with. Mm. So that was my goal in life. And then my parents were like, oh, "No, you can't do that. You need to get a proper job <laughs> and uh... do." Anything. So. Um, I had to do health and social care and sociology, which I have not used to this day. Whereas if I had done media studies and drama, Mm. I probably would have passed because I'm very dyslexic. But the creative side is my jam. Mm. So I did that. Anyway, that was that. And then... So you and Sophie
0: Morgan would be going; you'd be presenting shows together by now, probably, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I our paths might have crossed. I will get to that point in just a minute. Okay, so, carry on. Okay, so that was that, and I, I did a bit of public speaking, and then um, had Daisy, my daughter, married Sean, all that, and then um, Daisy was one at the time, and then I saw this advert that Channel Four, which is one of the biggest. Um, uh, broadcast television stations in the UK were looking for disabled people to present at the London 2012 Paralympic Games because they Mm. wanted to have at least 50% of the presenters to have a disability and I saw the advert and I was like this is it this is for me the deadline (laughs) was midnight the next day. Bear in mind, I've got a one-year-old at the time. So I phoned on my sister. I'm like, can you have Daisy? I've got to make a video. This is in 2010 <laughs> when we filmed on Potatoes and we didn't know anything about editing. But YouTube had just been born. So dropped Daisy off and I decided you could film anything on, on any topic. And it had to be three minutes long. So I decided love my city, Brighton. I thought I would do a piece on Brighton Pier. Sean filmed it for me. Um, I filmed this whole little, I had to do research in the car on Brighton Pier. Um, And I filmed this segment, which actually, considering I filmed it in 2010, I'm actually really proud of it. And I still really (laughs) am proud of it. Um, it, Is it it on YouTube? It might be. alright
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go digging.
1: <laughs> i you the link. It's hidden away, but maybe I can send it to you because I don't mind it being out and about. um And I sent it, and then I got a call, and they said, "Yep, yeah, you've been selected. So I have made the final twelve to go and um, train in proper studios, learn how to do talkback, audio, uh, auto cue, lights." all that stuff i've got photos which i can send you if you would like to see them and i went for a week and this was amazing because everybody in this group the 12 had disabilities and it was the first time that i wasn't a minority mm. and i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about other people i learned pre- loads of skills that i use today in presenting it was fantastic really really great anyway then we do this live simulation on the final day, and um, they cut live to Jem at Boccia Court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
1: like crickets. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. I know nothing about sport, you know? Nothing. Nothing.
0: <laughs> oh, there's the. There's the, the... Ball thingy that's rolling uh, towards those other ball thingies. I ah, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Um, so that was the end of my Paralympic career. <laughs> but uh. I had learned so much, and that is when I started to upload a few videos to YouTube. But then it kind of... Mm, Uh, fizzled out a bit and um, I concentrated on my daughter and I was working then in 2013 14 2014 I got made redundant from my job that I absolutely loved of 12 years Mm. Um, and then that is when I took to um, social media was being really taking off and really being born and then in 2015 that is when I started doing my Instagram videos um, and Wheels No Heels was born. Yay. That's how I got there. And wow. now I do my YouTube videos and I absolutely love it.
0: I'd like to get into that in some more detail. But one of the things I don't really want to skim over was motherhood. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, be- becoming a mother and and also, you know, obviously, Sean and, and your relationship. Um, yeah what, what was it like um being pregnant as a as a, a paraplegic and and what was it what was it like being in a what, what is it like being in a relationship with um with uh with sean
1: um sean's amazing so i met sean when i was um 19 and he was 36 oh, scandalous <laughs> but as i said like he was a little bit more mature than boys my age and I from a young age like I just wanted to have someone I wanted to have a partner I wanted to be loved by someone and um that was my main like one of my main focuses as well Mm. one I was determined not to be left on the shelf um and (laughs) (laughs) Sean and um he was over here he's Australian and he was over here uh chefing he's a chef and he was in the process of going back to Australia but I met him and I stole him away and um it was it was absolutely fine like there was no issues whatsoever like if we couldn't get somewhere he would carry me um It was just so natural. Like, he didn't ask me why I was in a wheelchair. He didn't ask me why, what happened. It was just Mm. like, it wasn't a factor. You know, you meet people and it's like the first thing they ask you. And it's like, really? Mm. And it just wasn't like that. And it was just so easy. Do you know what I mean? And he whisked me away to Prague. We'd only been dating two months. And we went to Prague for a weekend, and I—that's when I really fell in love with Sean because he was just so amazing. Because Prague is cold and it snowed; it was snowy there, like (laughs) lots of snow. And snows and wheelchairs don't mix, but Mm -hmm. he just made it work. And I think I think when you have a disability, you can really see the good or the bad in people very very quickly mm. and you know what you know mm. so being with Sean was yeah it was amazing and like yeah oh
0: that's so cool yay
1: and then so having Daisy was a surprise we got married in two thousand and Seven, and then I got pregnant with Daisy in 2008 and I had Daisy in 2009 <laughs> so um there was no again really no social media or anything like that mm-hmm. um and the the funny thing is like I didn't I mean pregnancy wasn't for me You know, there are some women who are like, oh, it's the most magical thing. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) It wasn't for me. I was sick every day, all day. And um, I was really fortunate that Daisy was so, so tiny. I didn't even have a pregnancy bump. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm off on maternity leave now. And people were like, why? (laughs) Like, I remember being in a, a store and someone had had a baby. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, congratulations, mine's due in two weeks. And they were like, stepping away from me, thinking I was a bit strange because I didn't even look pregnant. Um, but what I found quite interesting was I, it didn't, apart from being really, really sick, it didn't affect me that badly. I, I, because we've adapted so well to live in our lives with a disability. <clears throat> So, you know, like putting on shoes, we've already got that down. Some women get so big they can't shave their legs or or put shoes on or paint their toes. But I didn't feel any more disabled. Mm. And when I hear of like these people who aren't disabled, sort of like, oh, I can't do this and this is a struggle and all this kind of stuff, I'm just like, oh, you have no idea. So, in that respect, Pregnancy was okay, but I did break my ankle. But again, it's not that big a deal when you're in a wheelchair, is it? <laughs> <laughs> my ankle's fine, just not my wrist. Just not my wrist.
0: Yeah, wrists or shoulders. Oh, oh no,
1: no, no, no. Have you done that?
0: I had, I've had some really sore shoulders in the last couple of months. Really, really painful. I, mm. I actually fell out of my wheelchair a couple of times and bash my elbow and and I think that caused the must have been a tear and uh, it just brought it home to me that you really really got to look after your shoulders if you're a wheelchair user You just have to yeah, um, yeah I don't think I do enough
1: really
0: yeah neither neither <laughs> I, 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 yeah I want to know um yeah I want to know how you stick to these exercises that um I, I suppose you've got to you've got to tune in to um um you know some of the some of the guys out there the guys and girls that are doing wheelchair exercises and tune into them and follow mm. them along and join in but um but anyway you broke yeah. your ankle you survived childhood um now you have a 11 year old daughter
1: yeah can you believe that so this these two weeks or her last two weeks at primary school Um, How old is your son? You've got a son, haven't you?
0: He was born in 2009 as well. He was born in May
1: 2009.
0: So is he going to high school too? He's at, they call it intermediate. So, yeah, it is kind of high school. Um,
1: Yeah. They're the same age then. Daisy's March.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Um, You know, Ocean is our son's name and he... Uh, he was three when I had my accident, so he just he just knows me as wheelchair dad, you know, pretty much. Yeah,
1: yeah they're amazing, aren't they? Like yeah. he's, um, he's,
0: He still tries to hitch a ride. He's quite big, and he, but he just jump, jumps on yeah, me. You know.
1: We were in Disney last <laughs> year, and, like, fair play, it was nearly 40 degrees one day, and oh. it was so hot, and Daisy was so tired. So I was like, okay, yeah, you can sit on my lap. So I can't actually see over the top of her anymore. Sean's <laughs> pushing us. But yeah, I started to get um pressure sores and bruises on my thighs. So I was like, no, oh. we can't do this anymore. That's that's the end of the road.
0: <laughs> or oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've um I've still got a fairly robust legs. I don't know why they haven't atrophied as much as they perhaps should, but um, yeah, but there'll come a time when I, he's just too big, just too big. Anyway, it's kind of cool. While yeah. it lasts, I'll soak it up.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely.
0: So tell us about, uh, tell us about when you really started to get some traction with, uh, with your YouTube videos. Um, how did that make you feel?
1: Okay, so um, when I sort of started YouTube, I um, started doing hair tutorials because nobody, nobody was doing disability, not that I could find. And I thought, no one's going to be interested in that. How boring. (laughs) So I saw lots of people doing hair tutorials and I thought, that's what I need to do. I can do that. I can do that. I have no interest in hair. I'm not passionate about hair, but it was an avenue in, and I learned how to upload. I learned how to edit. I learned how to use YouTube. It, it was a great sort of learning curve. Um, and I knew that this is exactly what I have to do. This is what I want to do. And I thought my go- my goal was maybe I could do the hair tutorials and then maybe I could talk about disability once I've got some followers, see how it goes. Um, and I was really, really stubborn on the fact that I wanted to make it work. And I was doing these hair tutorials, and I might have been doing it for about a year or so. And it just wasn't working. I was like, I can't be working this hard for no one to watch my videos. Like, we're, I'm talking like 200 views on a video that I've spent like a week making at the time. <laughs> but I knew in my heart of hearts this is what I wanted to do. And so I decided that I was just going to change it up completely and solely focus on disability. And I kind of started to see other people doing disability-related topics too. I saw Jessica from Jessica Out of the Closet, who I don't know if you know of her, Mike.
0: No, sorry, I don't.
1: She's a very, very famous um, disabled YouTuber now. She has over 700,000 subscribers. It's absolutely amazing. She. Wow with chronic illnesses and she's deaf um and she's absolutely fantastic and I said she's from my hometown in in Brighton and I messaged her and I said hey would you like to collab um and she had 20,000 subscribers at the time I had 2,000 and I didn't think she would say yes and she did say yes so we did a collab which is on my channel if anyone wants to go and check it out Um, and And also around that time, I visited a really bad theme park called Chessington World of Adventures in the UK. And their accessibility was shocking. And I filmed a video on it, a very bad one compared to the ones I film now. Mm. But that video went viral and has now 1.5 million views, I think. So with that video going viral... Wow! doing a collab with Jessica out of the closet, who also went viral at the same time. And she went from something like 20,000 subscribers to 100,000 subscribers in a month to 250,000 wow. subscribers, 250, subscribers in two months and has just continued. Wow. To that really did help. And I was able to... Um, get my message out there, start sort of doing videos that people were actually engaging in, were interested in, Um, you know, you can bounce off your followers as to what they want to see. And it's a great sort of relationship that you can sort of make for your community when you know what people want or what is missing. Um, Around about that time, I also did a TEDx talk as well, which I'm very proud of, um, to be able to um, talk about my story um, there. Um, and so, yeah, it's just gone from strength to strength. And I'm so proud of what I have achieved and what I've done, and the amount of opportunities that I have been so lucky and I'm so thankful for to experience. Like going to LA last year, huge. So, so proud of myself.
0: Really. <laughs> really <proud. laughs> so, you were at um, Roliet's LA, and is that also when you went to Disneyland, I, I presume?
1: No. Um, so, we went for to um in the march Mm -hmm. and in florida so disney world in florida and i filmed lots of transferring videos to show people how to transfer on and off all of the disney rides in every single park still got a couple Mm. to do um and those did unbelievably well on youtube because there's a massive disney community online and there is um lots of because dis because Disney is so fantastic for people with disabilities, lots of people with disabilities go to Disney and are inter- interested in Disney. So, I did how to get the disability access pass, how to do all the rides counted on them. Um, I did the tour of the water parks and how to get on all of the rides in the water parks. And I think one of them's got nearly 300,000 views. Um, one of the awesome. water park ones. Yeah, so super, super proud of that. Um, And then in August, um, a company um, paid for my flight. They kind of sponsored me to go to the Rolette's Dance Experience, which was amazing. Another great place where you get to experience not being a minority and you get to meet other girls in wheelchairs who are just like you. Uh, It's fantastic. You know, if anyone ever gets the opportunity to do that, 100% recommend it.
0: Uh, it's so good. On your website, I've got this other screen to the right of me here, you know, you've got this very um, very happy looking photo of you in front of the Rollettes, um media board there, and um, yeah, it's so cool. You've got a great website by the way. It's, um, oh, yeah, okay. really it really pops and has lots of energy. I'll link to that in the um, show notes to your Adapt the Fire page on our website.
1: Um, oh, sure. My, my website's more for um, is more of a business side mm. of heels no heels, whereas my social is kind of like what I do. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, the website I made that last year with the help of a web developer. Tell us
0: <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> a little bit about the business side of it, and and anybody that's an aspiring uh, influencer, content creator. Um, what advice would you would you give uh, give them? And you know, and how does the money side of it work?
1: Well, you don't do it for the money, Mike. <laughs> Let me tell you that <laughs> because i I don't know if I even get minimum wage if I'm being perfectly honest. And you can do really well and get quite a large sum of money one month, or you know, I wouldn't say a large sum of money. You would get like an average working wage month but then you could work for six months with not much at all Uh Um, so you would definitely not do it for the money Um, my advice if you are thinking of starting it um, you have to have to be passionate about social media. You have to love editing and creating because I see quite a lot of people want to do YouTube and make the videos. But when it comes to editing, it's like, oh, no, that that's really not for me. I'm not good at that. I don't enjoy it, which is fine. Not everyone does, mm. but really do because it the filming if a YouTube video is 10 minutes long, it usually takes me 10 minutes to film. But to set it up it takes an hour and then to edit it can take days to a week mm. Mm. with the other things going on. Um, so you really have to be passionate about everything that comes with social media. Also, I would my number one tip would be find your niche and concentrate on your niche. So when I first started... There was hardly anyone doing disability lifestyle. Um, and some of the videos I've created have, were the first of their kind. Um, so I, at that time, I could be as broad as I wanted to be within that niche. But now because so many people are doing it, you really need to find what you're passionate in. Wheelchair cooking, wheelchair fitness. Mm. wheelchair fashion, wheelchair parenting, finding those subgroups. I think, you know, finding your niche is a great way for people to find you and keep coming back to what you have.
0: Mm. What would you say your niche is now? Good question. Or, or, or <laughs> niches, you know, what, What you know, and so if it's not for the money. Um, Clearly, there's there's other motivations there. What what is it that drives you drives you on to create content um, for your niche?
1: So the biggest compliment or the thing that really drives me is the messages that I get every day saying thank you so much. You've helped me with X, Y, Z. It's thanks to you that I don't feel alone anymore. You make disability fun and entertaining and not scary like I've had messages from people who are actually in rehab watching my videos and I mean like if I had something like that if I had someone that I could have looked up to then it may have been a completely different story to me so I make the videos that I would have needed when I was younger that's what drives me on like it's definitely you don't do it for the money um you and I do it for the passion I do it because I feel so strongly about what I do and I I I love it I love it it's like another member of the family wheels no heels it's like me another me (laughs) um in terms of my niche oh sorry Mike I'm gonna have to turn just plug my laptop in oh Sean he's not there hang on sorry
0: Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this. This is, um, it's been fun. Hope you've enjoyed it, Gem, so far. I've been really enjoying um, your energy. You bring so much
1: energy, it's great. Oh, thank you. So, getting back to my niche, <laughs> um, I as a, it is quite broad, um, what I do, but now I really I'm so passionate at focusing on mobility equipment. Can you believe that? The girl who wouldn't use a wheelchair. <laughs> a wheelchair geek. I love um, talking about wheelchairs. How to choose a wheelchair. Mistakes I made choosing a wheelchair. Don't make this mistake. How much do wheelchairs cost? how to um navigate in your life like i love doing tours of i did a tour of my house which did amazingly well online um like really practical things that people can use every day to live how to drive another thing that i'm super super passionate about is travel um all of my travel videos have done very, very well. And like how to fly as a wheelchair user have been really, really popular because as a disabled person, I think that that could be very, very daunting if you haven't done it before. Mm. Uh, but there's nothing to be scared about. Um, I had luckily very, very positive experiences and traveled all over the world. Um, but, you know, with Corona, this year it looks completely different to how I thought it was going to look. We were going to be traveling. <laughs> Australia which we didn't so that's a bit of a shame so the travel aspect is on hold so now I'm really focusing on practical wheelchair
0: stuff yeah yeah
1: Yeah. um which may lead quite nicely into my new toy my Batek or Batek or (laughs) Batek
0: depending on where you're from yeah it's, it's a electric wheelchair attachment right it's essentially how would you describe it what is it
1: well i would describe it as a bit like um a harley davidson um with uh the front of it looks a bit sort of kind of harley-ish like motorbikey motocrossy motor attachment that docks into your wheelchair so it pulls your wheelchair along um and the batek was developed um, by a man called Paul Ba. <laughs> I think he's Spanish, and I'm really sorry, but I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, who was very passionate um, about motorbikes and um, industrial engineering. He studied, and he had an R.T.A. and was left quadriplegic. And when he was in back then in the 90s, um, there was nothing available that was kind of, um, cool or that he, he wanted to use to help him in his everyday life. So he decided to make his own, um, and then he started making prototypes and then he wanted to help other people. Um, and then that's how Batek Mobility was born. Um, but honestly, I mean, it is life changing. I feel when I use it, I feel as free as when I'm on the horse. I have cool. that freedom. I don't feel like I'm using mobility equipment. It's fast. I think that they go up to about 25 kilometers an hour. Mine is an older model and it goes up to 20Ks, which may not seem fast, but have you sat in your wheelchair doing 20Ks? <laughs> you might it's have fast. done
0: it. It's fast. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I have.
1: <laughs> it's and, fast. You're know, you, you, you jittering along. I really need to look into some wheels with suspension. Um, and yeah, it's just amazing. So now I can go on bike rides with my family, um, which I've never been able to do with Daisy. Um, I've you know, sadly missed out on quite a few things, um, mm. over those 11 years, but now I've got it. I can start, you know, doing all these things that I couldn't do. I can't do now. And I don't have to get my wheelchair in the car, do all of the transfers, go to the shop, load the wheelchair. I can just ride to the shop in my local town, which is so much easier.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. I just recently got a smart drive. I live in a very hilly hilly suburb, I guess, and uh, not just an average hill, really steep hills to the point where mm-hmm. you get it. You know only like I would basically have to push five or six pushes and then stop and then fire you know wow. like leaning real far forward so I got the smart drive and it's made a, a world of difference so I totally wow. relate to having the Baytech and being able to not not to have to jump in your car that's a great yeah. feeling
1: yeah. yes well, you know people who aren't disabled they can just get up and just without even thinking just leave their, fr- you know out the front door down to the shops and I don't think people realize, you know, they may take that for granted. But now, we can do that, and it's an That's amazing. That's so field. cool. Mm.
0: So cool. Well, um, I'm going to direct people to your YouTube channel, and Thank you. um, it's going to be great. Um, I'm going to have some binge watching of some of your, your, particularly some of your older footage. I'm really curious. <laughs> Jim, where, where can people find you? What's your Instagram handle and so, YouTube channel? Um,
1: Instagram is Wheels No Heels with a little underscore at the end. Um, Twitter, Wheels No Heels, Facebook, Wheels No Heels. Um, uh, YouTube is Wheels No Heels. Um, and I've also started TikTok. <laughs> Because who hasn't on uh, during Corona? <laughs> so um, on TikTok, it's wheels no heels underscore TikTok.
0: <laughs> fun, fun, fun! That's so cool. And uh, I mean, aside from the uncertainty around COVID nineteen, is there any? Any certain you know certain plans you've made for the future? What what does the future hold for you? What are some things um, aside from making more YouTube videos on disability equipment? Um, what are some other things that you have in store?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> is this um, one of these
0: New Year's resolution questions? Maybe I'm a bit premature on that, but uh, no. Um, is there any? I guess is there any any final words you would like to say to those listening? Um, out there? Um, any words of advice? Any any tips? Uh, anything extra that I you really want to say that I haven't asked you about?
1: Um, I think I've covered quite a lot of stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, um, if anyone out there is suffering or struggling to come to terms with being disabled then you know you're not alone there are so many resources that you can use to help you that are right for you if maybe video format is not for you and it's not the way you want to find your support there are lots of blogs as well um but you don't have to be alone in this day and age so that would be my advice to you know reach out and find other people who are just like you
0: totally 100 percent. you can reach out to us we're here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> my <room's> always
0: open. <laughs> I'm not sure when I will get to travel to the UK. I had planned to be in Germany in September for Rehacare. Um, but that's uh, certainly not happening this year. But uh, but when I do finally get there, I'm gonna look you up and yeah. yep, connect. Sure. It's gonna be gonna be great. Um, yeah. And if you make it down this way, of course. Um, yeah, I hope to be able to show you around as well.
1: Yes, I would love that.
0: <laughs> hey, well, enjoy your day. You've got some wheelchair parts turning up soon, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. that you're a little bit worried that I was going to interrupt our interview, but um, but it hasn't. Yeah. Um, it's been fabulous chatting with you, Jim. Thanks so much for your time and for all you do and all the amazing content you create to help uh, to help those with disabilities and mm-hmm. those even without disabilities just to realise mm-hmm. that. Mm -hmm. you know you basically um you don't need to um see limitations in your life you can go out there and get after it yeah that is what adaptifying is all about and you are 100% an adaptifier so thanks so much Um, um yeah we'll talk soon and we'll see each other on social media in the meantime
1: thank you so much mike
0: awesome bye for now Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's adaptifier to learn more about adaptify and the products we have in development products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users go to adaptdefy.com. that's a d a p t d e f y.com we're also on all the major social media platforms at adaptify.com Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.